I just, fun fact, I have a special place in my heart for this um, team. It was the first team that I volunteered on like 18 years ago when I started coming to this church. And there is just such this special camaraderie because you're behind the scenes, you know what's going on, you know all the stuff that no one else knows, and we're just grateful for you. So thank you um, for what you're doing. Um, good morning, everyone. Again, my name is Amanda. I am the Care and Connect Director here at South Shore, and I am always excited to come and just share with you what is on my heart. Um, so the last few weeks, we have been talking about um, this, this concept called the rule of life, which is actually an ancient concept um, about connecting with God and creating this um, rhythm in your life that helps create more space and connection and draw closer to the heart of God. And we've talked about how the Latin translation for rule is actually trellis, which I love talking trellises. <laughs> so I decorated mine a little this morning. Um, this is the trellis that comes out of my garden. And I had this story from over the summer that I wanted to share with you because I felt like it was a really great lead-in to my talk today. So this particular trellis is one of four um, that holds up the blackberry bushes. And my blackberry bushes are about six years old. And every year you have to trim them back and they just produce buckets, buckets of blackberries. And it's so much fun. Um, but they're wild, and after a while, they can get really thick and strong. And this season, I had had a couple of vines um, just attached to my trellis with, um, I know this is probably not a great thing, but they were just um, attached with the, what are they called? Electrical ties, the wire ties, right? Yeah, okay. So they were just attached by the electrical ties. And right before the blackberry season started, somehow they detached. I still haven't figured out how because the electrical ties were still on there, but that's besides the fact. Um, so they all kind of detached and started falling over. When I started propping them back up, they started to snap and because there's a ton of them and they're really thick. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just leave them for the season and I'll fix it when they're all done producing their fruit. So the season goes on and I'm just collecting buckets of blackberries, but then I'm realizing that these, these bushes that had come loose were kind of lower to the ground and hunched over. I wish I had taken a picture of it. Um, but as I was picking them up, like I saw buckets of blackberries under the vines, but because they weren't upright and supported and getting the air and the ventilation and the sun that they needed, they were rotting. And they were getting eaten by the bugs and the animals. And it was really frustrating because it was dark and really close to the ground. And when I was thinking about preparing this talk, I was reflecting on how many blackberries were going to waste, which I hate wasted veggies and fruit. I hate it because I love my garden and picking things and sharing things. But it, they were still producing lots of fruit. But because they weren't firmly secure to the trellis and getting the sun and the ventilation that they needed, they were rotting and getting eaten by animals and not being used to their fullest potential, um, which I really thought was a great setup to my talk today. Because even if we are operating in areas where we feel comfortable and equipped and we're seeing fruit, without the right guides and supports, our best efforts can still fall short of the things that God has promised us. And Stephen Covey talks about this mindset 
in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says that life is so busy and chaotic that if we do not predetermine and prioritize and, and predetermine our priorities, they will be pushed out as not as important. So I want to talk today about the dreams that God has set in your heart. What are the things that you are passionate about? He knows them, he knows us, and he knows the best way to bring them to life. So let's begin to make them priorities. What are these things that God has set in your heart and called you to surrender to? Are they surrendered to the busyness of life, which happens super easily? Or are they surrendered to the tender, loving care of the Father? So it's up to us to intentionally craft and build the rhythms that connect us to the heart of God. So in this talk, I am going to reference the world a few times. So I wanted to define that for this particular conversation. When I talk about the world, I'm referring to the ideals and the mindsets that are of a different path that lead us closer to Jesus. The world is translated many times throughout the Bible, but I found a particular uh, passage and translation that I thought set it up really well. And this is from 1 John. I didn't give it to you guys, sorry. So I'll just read it slowly so you can listen. Um, it's 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Is there something that I'm doing for the echo? Does it matter? I'll just stand still. Okay, I just want to make sure it wasn't me. Um, don't love the ways of the world. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to feel important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world is all about wanting, 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 and it's on its way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So when I talk about the world and reference the world, this is the particular mindset that I'm referring to. Now they're on the same page. We'll move on. So all of our gifts and passions and dreams were designed by God. But he did not plant them so we could go off and do our own things, strive for more money, more recognition, bigger houses, lavish restaurants and vacations. So these things in themselves are not bad. We were created with a purpose to be in relationship with God and love and care for those around us according to his heart. We give back to him, and I dare use the word surrender because of what we are giving. And the word surrender here is not in regards to just giving up, throwing up our hands. It's in regards to giving over or offering to. Saying, God, what do you want to do with this one life that I have to live? He created us with a greater picture in mind. His plan has intricately woven us into the greatest redemption story ever written. And because of the cross, we are loved, we are secure, we have access to peace and joy and hope. So there's, there's a responsibility that comes with that, specifically once we become believers, to look to God for our purpose and how to steward the things that God has given us. So Romans 12, verse 2, says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an ongoing thing. This is an intentional rhythm. It's a rule or trellis to draw us closer to the heart of God and his heart for us. One way or another, your mind is being renewed. Whether you choose to or not, it's being renewed by the ideas and the mindset of the world, by the busyness of your life, or it's being renewed in the direction of God's heart. And scripture tells us that this is how we know, how we test and approve God's good and pleasing and perfect will. So if we're not plugged in and renewing our minds on a regular basis, it's so easy to slip away and miss the ways that God wants us to bring our passions and gifts to life. We've talked a couple of times about this book called The Rule of Life, An Invitation to a Well-Ordered Way by Stephen Machia. And in this, he writes this, he writes this passage. God's invitation to fulfill his call becomes clearer as you become closer to his heart. Listening intently to his word in prayer combined with community discernment is essential. When God calls, he makes the mission clear. His voice and his will is most specifically evident in a life of faithful love and obedience. There is no greater joy than living in the center of his divine will. Friends, that is the absolute truth. If you are operating out of your divine call and his will with your passions and gifts, there will be no greater joy. But we must create rhythms that continuously connect us to his strength, his wisdom, and his provision. We cannot hear his call and then expect to do it on our own. God will many times ask us to do things that are outside of the box. Anybody ever experienced that? Sometimes that gets very uncomfortable. <laughs> and it may look very countercultural, it probably will, and it might feel like a huge risk, and that is called faith. That is part of the package that we signed up for when we signed up for a life following Jesus. It's a good thing, but it can often feel scary because we don't see what God sees. We don't see how all the dots connect. In fact, sometimes we can't see how any of the dots connect. We can't see the dots. We can't see anything. <laughs> but God sees them all and gives us good gifts and then asks us to trust him to connect all the dots. Sometimes we get into a place where you really didn't think you would end up down a path, or you're not even sure how you ended up there, if you look back, it was an unexpected loss, it was an unexpected challenge, it was a mistake, or maybe it's just the feeling of being stuck, not feeling like you are where you thought you would be. The most important questions to ask in these seasons is, what are you up to, God? How do you want to use me in this? and let him stretch and shape you in ways you never thought were possible or maybe never thought about at all. I experienced this about six years ago, actually like six years ago Tuesday, 
when I became a stay-at-home mom, having worked at least one job since probably before it was possible. I found myself in a place where God had stripped away all of the things I had felt so sure of myself about in, but in that season, he uncovered and shaped and called out areas that I had never expected to discover. It was such a healing and special time in my walk with God, but at times it also felt very dark and very confusing and really, really hard. I heard this quote again this week, um, which many of you may be familiar with, faith begins where understanding ends. So faith in action is going to look so different when we are surrendered all of who we are to God. We have to become people of faith who are not derailed by doubt and disappointment. Doubt is a part of life. Amen? Amen. Think with me about the story of Noah. Let's reflect for a moment. As human beings, what kinds of things do you think went through Noah's head? I can imagine there was a bit of back and forth about how crazy it was to be building an ark in the desert. Then on top of that, he had to block out all of the taunting and all of the things being thrown at him by others about how absolutely crazy it was to be building an ark in the desert. There's no rain. What are you doing? But he knew the God he served. He knew his voice. He walked with him so closely that he could stand against his own doubt. He could stand against the taunting of others and build an ark in the desert. And the rest is history. If you don't know the story, the flood comes, wipes out earth. Everybody who's not on this boat don't make it. And God starts over again, and he gives us a promise. And I am grateful for who Noah was and the way he walked with God. Because if he hadn't, the story would have a very different ending. Don't you think? So discerning where God is leading us can be scary. In fact, most of the time it will be. At least we have... At the least, we have to wrestle down our own doubt, our own fear, our own weakness to step out and do the things that he is calling us to do. And at the most, which many of us have encountered as well, there are outside people who are disapproving, who are doubting, who are trying to break down all of the things that God has put in our heart to say it's not going to work or not to do it or you shouldn't be stepping out or that is such a risk, what is wrong with you? We've all heard these things, and we've stepped out and taken risks. But they don't see what God sees. And our God is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning. He is end. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's friend. He's father. And he's creator. So I think he might be trustworthy. And who are we to say no to him? Thank you. I felt really good about that one. <laughs> Can we talk about stepping out? Because <laughs> this is crazy. Um, so let's talk about some more guidance on how we walk the path that God has laid out for us. I'm going to turn to 2 Peter 1, verse 3 through 11. And this is kind of a long one, and I'm going to walk through it very slowly, but walk with me. It's a good one. Starting with verse 3. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. I'll read it. We'll catch up. 
His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to add goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Surprise, surprise. The list all leads back to love. It always ends with love. And these are some of the guideposts that Peter set for us in Scripture. He says that you are given everything you need to live a godly life. So he goes on in verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing nature, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. God has given us access to participate in the divine nature and godly life. And he says, the more we pursue these attributes in Jesus Christ, our life will become increasingly effective to the call he has given us. This passage gives us insight on how we can be our best selves in a broken world that demands everything from us. The world presents unrealistic expectations in every direction we look. Expectations on how to look, on how much money to make, on the friends we should have, on the lives we should live, on the lives our kids should leave, and all the things the world is telling us we need to do. Sounds exhausting. I'm exhausted. <laughs> God is inviting us to shape our faith by pursuing these attributes of goodness and self-control and knowledge of him and the rest which all lead to love so that we can be most effective in our walk with him. And that doesn't mean we need to get it right all the time. We are never going to do that. We are imperfect people in an imperfect world, but luckily we have continuous access to a perfect God with perfect love and most importantly, grace. <laughs> because we all need it. So how do, we def how do we pursue the mission with everything we have? Everything God gave us is designed for good. Think about it. The good father planted purpose and temperament and gifts and path. There's nothing that comes from him that isn't good. That's what scripture tells us in the first Peter packet passage. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. We get beat up by life's twists and turns, and they may shape how we interact and respond to the world around us, but he will make you a part of his story. And his story is always good. But we have to surrender our whole self, all of our ideas and passions and pieces of our story to shape the way we interact with the world. So what are your rhythms? 
that are helping you shape how you interact with the world? Do you have regular times to check in with Jesus about your everyday plan, your everyday purpose? Are you stewarding your finances well to make sure you have margin to care for the things that he has asked you to care for? Are we considering how we rearrange our life so that we can make the most space for God to work in and through us? It starts with fixing our, our attention on Jesus. Not just some of it, not just our leftover attention, not just the things that are easy to trust him with or easy to pay attention to, all of it. The world is demanding our attention in so many ways and we have to fight for it. It is truly a battle. I can't tell you how many times my brain fights to disengage when I sit down in the morning to read my Bible. It's hard, it was hard to stay focused while writing this talk. I had to close all the tabs on my desktop. Yes, I am one of them, there are many. And also on my phone, I closed all the tabs on my phone. The world is fighting for our attention. The world is fighting to derail what God has planted in your heart. So we have to stay grounded and give attention to the one who calls us, the one who deserves and can best utilize our attention. We don't have to sign up for the rat race or for the constant comparisons or for the endless striving. God has a bigger and more beautiful plan than that. So next we have to mind our inputs. What is it that you need to cut out that plays into that narrative of comparison and striving and discouragement and doubt? If you're at home with the news on all day in the background, I have to be honest, you have to shut it off. You have to shut it off. Stay informed, but shut it off regularly. This is not a healthy input. Do you binge on the reality shows that set unex, un, um, sorry, the unrealistic expectations of what, of what life looks like? First of all, guilty. Second of all, let's shut it off together. <laughs> I struggle, and not everyone does, but I can feel comfortable saying that a lot of us do with a comparison game. I just recently hit a wall where I had to shut down some of the inputs that were coming into my life that I wasn't paying attention to that were planting the seeds of doubt and seeds of comparison in my mind. It's all okay in moderation, but we have to regularly assess these and say what is fueling my passion and my time and my energy and my gifts. Is it the desire to see the things on TV or follow the people that I see out in the world doing things that God is not calling me to do or working my way up the corporate ladder? Or is it the larger call that God has put on my life, the big picture and the everyday? So once we assess, and you may have more, and I would pray about that, I would think about that, I would write down what are your inputs on an everyday basis. Once you assess the unhealthy unhealthy and unhelpful inputs. Let's look at some helpful and healthy inputs. Is any music on your worship, on your playlist worship? Are you listening to podcasts that pump hope and encouragement into your life? Are you reaching out to a prayerful and encouraging friend? If you're in a place where you're totally relying on God to pave your path, if you're looking to take a risk, Fill your heart with stories about greats like George Mueller or others who have experienced the supernatural provisions of God. George Mueller and his wife Mary Groves ran houses in the 1800s that cared for thousands of orphans. And they relied daily on 
God's provisions for each of these homes. There are stories of them praying at empty tables with all of the kids ready to eat and there's no food. And at that very moment, as they're giving thanks to God, things are showing up at the door and their tables are full. These are stories that breathe life into doubt, breathe life into taking risks. They lived, give us this day our daily bread. If you're in a place of desperation and not feeling hope, are you reading stories about the life of Corey Ten Boom and others who have pursued God in the most excruciating of places? Corey Ten Boom ex experienced the horrific imprisonment of concentration camps, and her tragic yet moving story reflects her unshakable faith and forgiveness. She surrendered herself to God, and God moved through her in ways that you could never imagine. Testimonies move the heart. They reflect and they point to the one who provides hope. I am sometimes one who struggles with the paralyzing fear of failure. And especially during those times when I'm hearing that conversation in my head, I have to be mindful of my inputs. Anything that can be feeding my, for those of you who are Enneagram nerds, my Enneagram 9 response of procrastinating or checking out completely. So my inputs and my boundaries are so incredibly important when it, be, when it comes to believing in myself the way that God believes in me, when it comes to utilizing my passions and gifts in the way that God is calling me to do that. So next, I would, I would suggest doing a project assessment on a regular basis, daily in some areas. Write down all the projects and roles you have going on right now and invite God into them. Invite godly people into your plans. Assess what it is having going on in your plate and what areas God may be calling you out of. Talk to God regularly about your plans. Ask if there's anything missing or anything he wants you to dive into. Sometimes it won't come to us until we give God the space to speak. And the things he does highlight, surround yourself with people and resources that are going to develop those areas. If it's a specific skill, look for opportunities to practice that skill and learn more about it. If it's a cause, find more people and organizations that can provide more exposure and understanding. The dots will connect. The doors will open when you are connected to the heart of God. And the depth of joy and passion will flourish. And then lastly, I would suggest doing the same with your finances on a regular basis. Lay out everything you have going out and coming in. Talk to God about what's there, how you're using what you have, Ask God if there's anything that needs to be tackled, like a certain debt, and if there's any changes that need to be made. God loves to multiply the things, finances, passions, resources that he gives us. He invites us to experience his goodness by trusting him with our finances. We can partner with him by being good stewards, by being responsible with what we have, and by trusting him in the ways that he invites us to give. I'm grateful that we get to partner with God, and I'm grateful for the gifts and passions that he plants in our hearts to do his work. I look out into this congregation. I know so many of you, and I know so many of your hearts, and I'm so grateful for everyone who's here and everyone who joins us online and everyone who's come through here. I see so much potential and so much passion. If God is stirring something in your heart, 
please don't ignore it. Build your trellis, ask the questions, pray with friends, and explore what God is calling you to do. But don't do it without creating a rhythm that keeps you connected to the heart of God and keeps you connected to his provision and his strength and his love and his call, saying, come on, it's okay. We can do this. <laughs> because the closer you are to his heart, the clearer you will hear his voice. He says that the sheep will hear my voice. That's all of us, not just some of us, not anyone who has a degree, not anyone who has a role. That is all of us. And there are some of us who have just experienced a lot of disappointment and discouragement and hurt, and his voice feels far away. But you are his uniquely designed and gifted one. You who feels far away, you who feels worn out, you who feels lost and uninspired, you are called, you are seen, and you are needed. And I pray that this morning that you sense that, So I'm gonna leave you with one more scripture and then we'll pray. This one is from Isaiah. It is 55, verse eight and nine. So I'm just gonna, I just would invite you to close your eyes and reflect on this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God, you see things and you see us, and you know us, and you know how you have created us to be a part of your story, because each one of us has a unique place in time, a unique place in your story. God, I pray that this morning the things would be starting to bubble up from that place that you have planted. God, I pray that there would be a Holy Spirit stirring in this place right now. God, I pray for, for those who need to be reignited, for those who have been given dreams and gifts, but have been told that they're not, they're not worthy and they're not part of the story. pray that there would be a rising up of gifts, of love, God, that you would 
shine that grace-filled life on places that have been held back, where we think we're protecting something from the world, but we're not surrendering it to you. God, I pray that as people feel led to just take a step closer to you today, God, that they would also feel that, that courage, that courage from knowing our identity and knowing who we are in this world, who we are called to be. And that we would build spaces into our lives for you to just come and move. for you to come and move, for you to come and inspire us to dream and take risks again. And as you leave this place today, I was inspired by something a friend said this morning, what are you willing to give up to do, to do what God is calling you to do? Are you willing to say yes because he's everything? He is everything.